Are you a hybrid athlete who wants to learn more about how to combine your strength and endurance training? Well, I've written a new book, The Science of Hybrid Training. In this book, I provide insight into the misconceptions surrounding strength and endurance training by distilling the past 50 years of research and drawing on the conversations I had with great scientists, coaches, and athletes on the Progress Theory podcast. This book is essential reading for hybrid athletes and coaches who are looking to understand the key training variables and their effect on the simultaneous development of strength and endurance performance. Get your copy now, available to buy from Amazon. Now, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to The Progress Theory, where we discuss how to implement scientific principles for optimizing human performance. I am Dr. Phil Price, and on today's episode, we are joined by former Royal Marine Commando and published author, Gareth Timmons. Now, I saw Gareth's new book, Becoming the 0.1%, on the Amazon pre-order list and I instantly knew that I wanted him on the progress theory. To make it through all of the training, to prepare you to fight in the harshest environments in the world, you need to have such a high level of skill, determination, resilience and communication. In this episode, Gareth details how he kept a diary during his training and his military career and since he's reflected on it, it's allowed him to pass on the greatest lessons that he learned during this time. These aren't lessons for the military. These are lessons that you can apply to your everyday life and allow you to reach your full potential. As always, please follow The Progress Theory on Instagram and your podcast app of choice. And while you're there, check out all of our other episodes. Here is Gareth Timmons. Hey, Gareth, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Thank you so much for coming on to The Progress Theory. I'll have to admit, the first time I heard of you was when I was searching Amazon and looking for new books to read. And yeah, so I saw your book. It's the title that really jumped out at me. It was like Becoming the 0.1%. I was like, that's really up my street. And then started reading into you as as an author. And I thought, uh, you know, this is one of the things where it's quite beneficial having a podcast because I just wanted to ask you questions. And I was like, well, brilliant. Let's get you onto the progress theory and start asking a bit more about, you know, the genesis of the book and your ideas behind mindset and how that leads into your philosophy about becoming the 0.1%. I mean, I've been fascinated by the military for quite some time because I think there's some skills and some discipline that you learn in the military that really transfers well into sort of general population to the point where I think a lot of the general population are really seeing how beneficial it is to have those skills and they want to learn from the military. How can I apply this mindset into my everyday life? And then because of that, I just thought that really matched up with with your book. So I was like, brilliant. Okay, Gareth, I've got to get you onto the progress theory. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much, mate. It's it's always a pleasure. And as soon as I saw your podcast, I thought, yeah, it, it looks fantastic. And I love what you're doing. And especially that it's kind of mindset based. I think it ties really well in with, with what, I'm, what I've created and what I'm doing. So yeah, thank you for having me, mate. Oh, not at all. I think, yeah, I think we definitely have quite similar goals. We might frame them in different ways, but the end goal was always the same. So I think that's sure. why, you know, this is brilliant for both of us. Do you want to give a little bit of a background into yourself? I played rugby from a very young age and reached a high level at quite a young age. I played for Hunslet Arch, Bradford Bulls, and then and then and then Leeds Rhinos for different reasons. It didn't come off to do with contract disputes, and I wanted at the time to 
play for Leeds, being young, Leeds were at the top and anything below that were kind of, hmm. you, you were kind of going down the pecking order and I didn't want to. Fell out of love with the game. Uh, I joined the Marines. Well, I applied for the Marines, joined the Marines at 20, did five and a half years, which were fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Did some fantastic stuff in there. And then I left and went to work out private in Somalia, Afghanistan for the Department of Defence doing close protection. Oh, cool. Did some stuff in Egypt, stopped doing that hostile and then went out, went down to work in London where I'd worked for a number of like blue chip companies, high profile people. And then I went to uni uh, and I studied forensic psychology. I did that and behaviour change. And then in recent years, well, in the last four or five years, I've wrote a book based on a diary that I took in training. I basically, I wrote a diary from leaving my house to, to reaching the end of training uh, and I kept it for about, about 11 months and it's never been done before. So I wrote it up five, about five years ago, the diary entries. And then in more recent times, once I got a literacy agent, I then added 34 lessons that the reader can use in order to develop an elite mindset mm. that are psychologically mm-hmm. grounded. And it ended up getting numerous publishing offers. Uh, and it's due out three weeks today. So, oh, wicked. Yeah, it's been quite a journey and quite, uh, I suppose, quite a contrast in terms of what I've been doing over the last 20 years. Yeah. So, yeah. What's the exact date that the book is going to be released? So, so the book comes out on the 26th of August. So it's been quite a journey. It, it should have come out. There was talk of it coming of, of it coming out last year, but obviously with COVID and stuff, it just got delayed. And then mm. we went through, because the diary entries, and it's captured literally everything of the experience, but also the progression from growing from a civilian to an elite soldier. It had to go through quite a lengthy, I suppose, scrutinization and sign-off by the Ministry of Defence. Mm. So that's took quite a long time. We should have had a really good build-up of publicity, but we only got sign-off from the MOD a couple of months ago. So, And I mean, that was massive, because I always thought, and especially the publisher, when they took it on, but getting it through the MOD were going to be quite tough and quite challenging, given the fact, given the content that's in it. Mm. But I think a saving grace is because it's been, well, I say so long, it's been 15 years since I went in and training has changed. I think that they were quite happy to pass it. So it's literally all been signed off in its authentic and original form, which is absolutely brilliant. What are the MOD worried about? Why do they need to sign it off? I think if it was self-publishing, I wouldn't have had to do it. Mm. The problem is that when you mainstream or traditional publishing, as they call it, you stand the risk of the MOD coming back on you. And, and I think what's in the what's in the book at the minute is like the daily fight and struggle, really, of a recruit. But also, it, it kind of highlights how you were treated by your training team. And there's various practices in there that I suppose could be frowned upon, or it could attract negative attention. But unbelievably, they've, they've passed it all through. Yeah, reg- regarding the MOD potentially be worried about some of the practices that you do during the training, and they're worried that people might almost frown upon those practices. Ultimately, it led you becoming an elite soldier, an elite fighter. So, yeah, there must be some method to the was it method to the madness. The you know, it's a lot of those methods must work. You know, they really develop in skills and a level of resilience in you to be able to get into those and perform in those situations which most people will never be going into you know like a war zone so i guess there must be you know some despite some people may look down or frown upon it there must be some you know clear reasons why they do it in the training sure i mean the training you could say is 
probably more, but but back then was void of any kind of scientific kind of basis. But I've said this in the book, it is the level of human engineering that is factored into that course and how they get somebody from being a weary civilian to them being an elite soldier mm. come the end of training is, is absolutely startling. It's unbelievable. The person that you see at the start of training is looks disorientated, disillusioned, scared out of place. They wear the military uniform like it's fancy dress. It looks ridiculous. 32 weeks later and that person's running in from the commando tests and they look every single part, the embodiment of what you would think to be a Royal Marine commando. The transition and what they've gone through in that period is absolutely unbelievable. And I'm now one of the psychological performance coaches for Cast Tigers Rugby League. Mm. Some of the methods that, that we got taught in the Marines we've applied to the rugby and they've been absolutely phenomenal in transforming how, how the players see the game and how they deal with adversity, especially in the transition from going from a defence to attack. And we do often have the argument of, although sport is very much science-based now, I absolutely don't believe that you can develop a resilient and elite mindset in terms of performance based on science alone. I think science restricts it physically and I think you have to be pushed completely out of your comfort zone to areas that would not be deemed scientific to develop the elite mindset that you need to be absolutely unstoppable at any kind of thing that you do in your life. Mm. And I don't, I, I just think that science has the, I suppose, the propensity to stop that, to limit that. I guess science is there as acting as guidelines as to sure. knowing what to do to prepare yourself physically and I guess to a sense psychologically but again it's a guideline based on science that we've currently performed that's given us a base understanding of what we currently know but it's still an art form how you put it all together yeah you know you can't say well the science says this so we're going to do exactly this every person every team every player is going to be a little bit different so how you individualize that is going to be very creative and ultimately Science is going to give us an understanding of when to push really hard and when to pull back to avoid, you know, either burnout or whatever it might be. Sure. But ultimately, you still need to, you know, like you described, stepping way out of that comfort zone. Because if you don't, you're never going to be exposed to the environment that only a few people actually get to. That's right. And how can you get resilient if you've never been into the environment where you need to perform? That's exactly And I guess... Yeah. Like you got a war zone, haven't you? Like you went into training for a war zone. That's a very specific environment that very few people go to. Yeah. And then if you think of elite performance with rugby league, there are a lot of similarities because very few people get to that level and experience that level of environment performing at that level. Really? So yeah, I can completely understand your ideas around developing an appropriate mindset and how difficult it is to be able to develop a mindset for it because very few people have been there. Yeah. I think just kind of one on that is that in the diary entries between like week eight and week 10, we had about, I think we had 12 hours sleep in two weeks. <laughs> and I've said that numerous occasions and people are like, what, 12 hours sleep in two weeks? And it's absolutely correct. We went on an exercise and they kept us up for about five days. We no sleep. Wow. And then we had like a couple of hours sleep when we got back to camp and then we were we were kind of we were up again and kept awake all that night and trying to kind of crawl your way through and get out of sleep deprivation is is absolutely unbelievable there were like lads falling asleep stood up which is an experience in itself and then you'd be falling asleep stood up and i think it's in the moments where you actually 
you meet your innermost self of who, of who you are. Uh, and it's it's them kind of experiences throughout training that, that turn people off. And a lot of people make massive decisions about the future. And I think their justification for continuation in those moments, it is a killer of dreams, is sleep deprivation in the Marines. So taking that into account, what are the biggest lessons you feel you learned from your time training for the Marines? So the biggest lesson that I kind of got really was to absolutely have a full trust in in myself. And by that, I mean full trust in my emotions and how to manage them. And I think the experience, it absolutely gives you that. You have to be able to manage your emotions in such a way that you have to bring yourself under control. And you have to, because there's, there's so many extreme and, and arduous exercises and, and things that you have to do in training that you've just got to really find a way of controlling yourself and pushing through times when you don't think something's humanly possible. For instance, when you haven't been to sleep for two days and you've got to do 25 miles across Dartmoor carrying 100, and 100 plus pounds of kit, mm. when you're mm-hmm. physically exhausted, you've had, I suppose, little water and little to eat. It's just knowing that, I suppose, that you, you will never quit and that you will get there regardless and knowing that you've got that ability to do that. And I think argue, arguably that is, is the biggest lesson, really, that, that you take from it is that anything is possible anything is possible and that you fully back yourself. You know that you can, that you can, I suppose, once you've done it, I've always kind of thought I can do absolutely anything. Anything that I want to do now that's available in this world, I will give it my best shot and I'll, and I'll back myself to do it. Mm. There's certain things like when I did like forensic psychology, I thought, yeah, it's a really tough course, but it doesn't scare me. It doesn't frighten me. And I will go on and, and have a go at that. You find that you can withstand suffering in a sense of adversity, the suffering incurred by adversity, and you're able just to withstand that and be able to push through when you become disillusioned. It's just about, that's the biggest lesson really is you learn your own, I suppose, level of mental resilience and what you're willing to withstand. It sounds like in these situations during the training, they put you under so much stress, whether it be sleep deprivation, very extreme environments, tasks that you've got to think of what to do and you're sleep deprived to the point where, yeah, there's so much stress, but you still got through it. So you know you have the ability to deal with high levels of stress coming from all sorts of different angles. So now when you take on a challenge, even though it gets hard because you might need to, if I think of an example, well, okay, your degree program where all of a sudden you've got to do your degree but there's you know still finances at home you need to think about family you've got to think about so many different things you've got to acknowledge and work with and balance that can be completely stressful but because you've dealt with so much stress so much adversity in the past that almost feels like the stress is not as much that's exactly it and so in contrast you're like well i've been through worse so let's just crack on it, it, that, that's exactly it. And I think that's a really key point. I think when you've experienced something like that and, and you've come through the other side successfully, mm. I don't think there's much more that you could do in, in, in form of a challenge. Yeah. The Royal Marines is so like risk-laden in terms of the odds are really stacked against you. That's why I've, I've named the book Becoming the 0.1% because back in 2003, 2005, when the, I don't know if you can remember that, the, the famous advert that sh- depicted the, the guy running across what is would be common. And it was saying, like, where do you quit, here or here? Okay, yeah, I remember And he that. goes under the water and he gets stuck in the sheep dip. Now, that advert where 99.9% need not apply. And that represented an actual statistic 
back in the day hmm. of your success from walking into a careers office to reaching the end of training. There were only 0.1% that made it. And that's why I called the book that because that advert were out when I kind of went for it. Oh, that's, that's really cool. That, yeah, that's really cool. I can really see the link there. Why do you think it's so low? Like 0.1% is one, it comes across as such a small margin. But if you reach that level, it must be so satisfying to know that you are, you know, if a thousand people went for something, you'd be that one person <laughs> that got there. I think that's, people go in for all different reasons. And I think a lot of people that, that kind of go for it, they're, they're in love with the fascination of it, how it looks, how it sounds. And I suppose the interpretation of what they think they will be doing. Now, when you get in, I think the environment down at Limston, where they train the Marines, is so hostile. And it's just so, so uniquely different from life in the Marines. So training is very different from life after. They call it being in the bubble. And it doesn't accurately represent life life as a trained soldier. And I think people get in there and it, and it doesn't live up to their expectations. It catches them off guard. It all comes down to the applying pressure fill and the stress. It's like in the first few weeks of training, you're in foundation in a place called Foundation Block, which is like your full metal jacket sketch where you've mm. got like 60 beds and, mm-hmm. and, and all stuff like that. And you have to hand wash your stuff into in two or three washers. And then you've got to dry it in a drying room. Now, not everybody can hand wash at the same time. So that process, it keeps you up all night waiting to hand wash your stuff. And then you've got to wait for it to dry in a drying room and then iron it and get it ready and ready for inspection the following morning. And that process just keeps you up. You can't sleep. And that's how they do it. It's absolutely, it's incredible what they do. And I think it's just, it's just, it's things like that. And I think psychologically people get in and they forget why they've left. They forget why they wanted to leave where they were behind. They look back with rose-tinted glasses and, and, have a, and kind of reach a willingness to accept the environment they were, they were trying desperately to evade. And a lot of people leave for girlfriends for various, for, for, for whatever reason. But there's, I mean, there were 51 lads that started with us and 11 of us passed at the end. And that's just training. There's so much fallout from the selection process before and the various other stages of the, I suppose, the joining part of it. Yeah. Based on what you just said, do you think there is skills that maybe the general population maybe lack and maybe that's why stuff like SES who's dares wins and you've got a number of former military personnel that have written books as well I'm thinking and Middleton Dean Stott people like that it yeah there's a market people want to learn these particular skills now when you describe what you just described how someone is trying to was moving away from their original environment go into marines training and then all of a sudden they feel really uncomfortable in that marine training so they leave again it's almost like there are skills that they are not aware of that they need to be able to deal with that level of stress because maybe they were stressed in their original environment they didn't like it so they moved away got into a new environment with training new stress didn't like it okay i'm going to move back and you kind of forget what the original stresses were do you think that there are skills that the general population now need that would really help them from learning from guys like yourself who are giving lessons through the stories and experiences that they have? I think what the military does, geniusly, they train you and invite you to understand, understand yourself in such a way that you're able to go out and operate in the most extreme environments and experiences. Mm that are available 
for humans to go and expose themselves to. And I think in that training and what you're expected to go out and do, I think in those moments, you have to absolutely, you have to control your emotions and you have to find ways of doing kind of and and seeing and having to mitigate unimaginable things. And I think that when you come back and you apply that to civilian street, not everybody has that experience. And I think as a result, not many people know or understand their own mind and what they're capable of doing. And I think the, the military or elements of the military just allow you to gain a, a real rich understanding of, of, of the mind and how to control emotions. I've, I wrote at the backstage of the book that naively I thought that when I got to the end of training, I would be completely stripped of emotion and I wouldn't feel fearful of anything again and nothing would really phase me. And I got to the commando test and, and I absolutely was scared to death. And I did have those awful feelings of, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I'm going to do it. I'm going to fail. But there were another part of me that were like, you can do it. You can do this. And we need to push on and, and failure is not an option. And, and you're constantly, I suppose, redefining what you're capable of doing. And I think when you get through that and then you apply those principles and those experiences and that philosophy to civilian street, everybody loves it. Because everybody wants everybody wants to be, I think, in general, the best representation of what they can be in life. Everybody wants to. I think you always want to be somebody that you're not, or, or you're fascinated by various things. And I think programs like SAS Who Dares Wins or other things like that, they really do capture that imagination. And people are fascinated by what people are prepared to put themselves through. Mm. And I think that's why they're so successful. People in general, I think, see do like people getting the most out of the human body and the human mind and, and trying to learn techniques of how to kind of reach that aim. Do you think shows like SAS Do There's Wins, things like your books and the, the mindset and lessons that you're giving in your book, are they allowing people to become more self-aware? So they have a self-awareness of what they can achieve so linking back to your example where you started doubting yourself, but the more you went through it, you started thinking, actually, I can do it. Actually, I can do it. People don't have that awareness of where that boundary is for them. They don't know where, okay, what I can and can't do. And once you put them into a stressful environment, they realize what they're capable of is much more than they originally thought. So that's completely rechanged their mindset on taking on new challenges because they're now more aware of what they're capable of doing. And I wonder if that is all linked to, I know more and more people are taking on their own physical challenges now. They're creating brand new ones. Like we, we did it linked with this podcast. We're doing a number of physical challenges. Yeah, we talk about a lot of the uh, preparation for it. But ultimately, we're trying to expose the human body to challenges, environments that we've never been before just to see what we can do. And from that, we develop a better self-awareness of what is actually possible. So it sounds like the tools that you're giving are giving that self-awareness to people, which ultimately leads them to then push themselves just that little bit further. Sure, absolutely. So what I've done in the diary is, is that for each week, I've drawn out kind of a theme, a key theme of that week. And then I've explained it in terms of a life lesson and underpinned it by psychology. So the first week is compartmentalization, breaking large undertakings down. Mm. So it just speaks about how to break training and other large undertakings that you might have in life, whether that's training to do uh, the free peaks, Mount Everest, whatever. 
and you just break it down into really small chunks and you look at the week method, you look at the day method and looking at the hardest point of that day to overcome. So in week one, we deal with compartmentalization. Week two is on the construct of masculinity, looking at faulty stereotypes, looking at people that are extroverted and introverted and how unbelievably the introverts in training that look guilt, that look tall geeky got to the end. Huh. All the people that kind of reinforced the stereotype of being this manly alpha male covered in tattoos and no teeth. They left after a couple of weeks and it were an unbelievable kind of observation for me to see that what we kind of socially brought up to believe is is kind of the the stereotypical ideal of masculinity is flawed. Hmm. And then we looked then it then it flips onto restorative environments, looking at savannah type environments and how they can rejuvenate your mental attentional resources. All the way through to looking at so in the gymnasium in, in training, you're not allowed to to fidget or scratch. When sweat's pouring out your face, you've got to just stand still and not fidget, resist the urge. And that's the name of the lesson. <laughs> what that means is that because they bring kind of human behavior and control down to its really kind of archaic form, is that when you then go off on operations into OPs, observation posts, you don't fidget. And if something's crawling over your face, like in the 2018, you don't push the spider off your face because that movement could expose your position and get you killed. So everything that they do is really, it's, it's absolutely incredible what they do and how much attention to detail has gone into it to produce what they need at the end. So we just look at, it's not like your typical self-help book. The 34 lessons are completely, in a sense, random. I don't know, I just think it's a bit refreshing. It, it just draws on a lot of things that I think in terms of lay psychology we know about ourselves or we know quite a bit about society or, or culture but it's not kind of backed up. We kind of, we semi-know it. But what I talk about is stuff that I think we should all know about to make us better human beings and perform better. So that's yeah. what I've tried to create yeah. with the lessons, really. They sound absolutely amazing. No, thank you. Thank you. It's Yeah, it's been it's been tough. I uh, took me about a year, 18 months to, to get the lessons in and, and make sure that they were right. But they're all, like I said, they're all just diverse, Phil. They're all like mm. just completely, in a sense, random. But they all come together to make you better if you adhere to them yeah of course it sounds like you know follow each one and they become the 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 whole package if you know what i mean yeah i think what's great is how you highlighted that oh this isn't like most self-help books this is these are skills that we learn and here's the experience that i had which showed how it can directly influence your performance in a certain way that's exactly it so people can from your story can see how it can improve they can take that story and apply it to their own situation and then see, oh, actually, I can see how improving in performance here would actually benefit if I learned these skills. So I'm then going to implement that into my own environment. And yeah, I think the practical side is really quite important. People need those stories to see how relevant they are into their own lives. Rather than to say, this will be better, this was going to help improve yourself. You know, that's (laughs) funny enough. I think about 99% of mindset stuff is a bit all the samey, whereas this, and hence why I wanted to bring you on this podcast, seems like exactly the stuff that people need to actually improve their mindset to actually, and apply these skills into their everyday life. The, the, you know, it's the 0.1% of mindset, which is what's going to make a difference. Sure, exactly. And it, it, it's exactly that. It's like, and I don't want to downplay any self-help books that are out because I've read quite a lot. Uh, and stuff on mindset and personal development, and they're absolutely fantastic. But 
what I've always found is that when you've read a few really good ones, you've read them all. Mm-hmm. And when you yeah. try another one, yeah, they've got a different kind of way of putting it together, but you soon get bored. Mm. And I think what's really, really fantastic, and I'm trying to be as unbiased as I can here, but what's really fantastic is that the diary was done without any kind of intention of writing a book when I was younger. So you've got like maybe a lifetime of experience in 10 months or maybe experience that not a lot of people will ever experience it in a number of lifetimes. But then chopping into that with a psychological kind of background, it really creates something really unique. And it might not work for people, but it, it is, in a sense, the lessons are so are so random. And a lot of them have, have, have definitely never been touched on in terms of the relationship with resilience and mindset. But hopefully how I've explained it and how I've tied it together with the experience in the week does allow it to to form kind of a pillar of resilience and mindset and performance. Yeah, definitely. I think your strategy here is allowing people to figure it out for themselves. You're not, okay, to have a more resilient mindset, you need to do this. It's actually, here's the lesson I had that I learned. Here's my story about how I learned it and how it improved my performance and what I saw during that experience. And then, yeah, that's how people can imply that into their own life or their own environment they're not being told okay to improve your mindset you need to do this it's not actually no here's my experience like you said you wrote this diary without the intention of making it into like a book but because of that it had the it really brings out the naturalness of the story and then you've just tweaked it to make it uh, more readable yeah so i i think it what you've done is exactly what the mindset community needs that's amazing yeah, yeah. And I really hope I have. I really hope I've, I've created something kind of kind of fresh and unique and something that helps, that works, mm. and that's kind of, that's acknowledged in a sense that, that he, I suppose it's just a fresh take on it. And yeah, that's, 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 kind of what I've, that's kind of what I've aimed to do with it. It's really weird because obviously I wrote the diary. I then put together 50 tailored submissions that went off to the literacy agents to try and get a literacy agent because for people that don't know, they hold the keys to the doors to traditional publishing. Mm. Other than that, you've got no credibility to get through the door. And that took me six months to like someone, three chapters, someone, uh, a business plan, a synopsis or a cover, whatever. And I did all that. Uh, it took me six months. Then I sent it off and I did get one reply back out of about 50 submissions. Uh, and it were kind of back to the drawing board. And after a bit of a period of of adjustment, I managed to bump into a literacy agent. And he just said, look, you need to... He said, I love what you've done. Your title's really strong. But what I'd like you to do is... Think about adding lessons in for it for every week. And they it was just like the perfect storm because I just finished at uni mm-hmm. and I just had all the like psychological underpinning that I could call upon to to execute the lessons in such a way that I think has really brought out the best in the diary uh, for each week. So it's it's just been it's just been great timing. Yeah. I think so many people who've written mindset books start off with the lessons and then they fill thing, find things to fill in and support that lesson. Sure. Whereas you had the experience as, okay, what were my lessons from that? Okay, this is what I've derived from it. So you, I think you've done it the right way, whereas others are starting with the chapters and then they try and find ways of filling that chapter. Filling that chapter, yeah. And it's often, I think, from that, it's often experiences that are, that are not theirs hmm. or examples that, that they know about really have got like no attachment, no meat to it. 
And, and I think that a lot of kind of self-help or personal development books are very like, in a sense, similar to, to what you would say are, are the fundamentals of losing weight. It's like, if you were to tell somebody in a very basic form how to lose weight, it would be exercise more and stop, I suppose, put the right food in your mouth. That is, it's very basic what to do. But, and it's the same with personal development. It's like, you, you could say like, this is what you need to do. You need to prep your meals the night before. You need to get up. You need to go to the gym early. That sets your day up for success. And then you go off and you do that. And it's all about time management. But I mean, I go up and down with eating and stuff. I know what I need to do. You, you know how to get in good shape, but doing the basics and mastering them is a different thing. What's underlying that is like all the stresses of life, relationships, and everything that people have to compete with in order to get that underway and get that momentum. So I think it's all right sometimes telling somebody what to do and really breaking it down to the basics of this is how you get in better shape. This is how you become more successful. Saying it to somebody and somebody kind of enacting the plan in order to get to where they want to be are two completely different things. So I just think that by looking at the diary and seeing that I am vulnerable at times, that I don't think I can do it, I no longer want to be there. I want to come home, but I can't validate negative opinion and, and validate those people that said I, I, that I would fail and I'd be home in a month. I can't do that. I think that just allows people just to see that, you know what, all these things are me and I can relate to this. I don't want to do that. Fearful of social interaction of, of all stuff like this, but I'm going to try these steps. I'm going to try and, 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 and do some of these lessons. And I just hope that it, it translates well. That it, that it comes across well. There's, there's stuff in there that I'm not particularly proud about. Mm-hmm. Recently done the audio and I read some stuff back that I, that I put in, that I put in, I suppose, in the last two years, which kind of it highlights my conduct when I went on leave and it's stuff that I'm not proud about, but it, it provides context and it, I suppose, in a sense, it humanises me. I'm not saying that I'm the perfect person and that my road to wherever has been really clean and I've lived this fantastic lifestyle I haven't at times and it's just a very real and raw I suppose memoir self-help book really right, this has been amazing and I can't wait to read the book myself you can pre-order it now on Amazon and like you said it's it's coming out on the 26th of August is that right we said at the beginning of the podcast it is yeah the, 20, the 26th of August yeah you can uh, pre-order it now on Amazon Waterstones and an audio, cool. audio book. and just to like finish off what were your three favourite lessons that almost like to say to the audience, what are the key ones to look out for? Because I personally found them very helpful. Yeah, so I think one, the, the three that I would say to look out for really is I like restorative environments because what that is that as human beings, we have a propensity to, to be in, in, in natural environments of which we evolved in and that our senses are attuned to. And it's just really important to understand that when we get stressed in urban environments and artificial places that we, we, we do need to be in, in kind of the wilderness, in, in nature, in order to rejuvenate as attentional resources. And I think it's really important. And a lot of companies like Apple have started putting trees and plants in the shops because it naturally puts people at ease and people spend more psychologically. Hmm. And it's, people have started cottoning onto it and manipulating it. And I really love that yeah. lesson. There's other things in there like finding the elite edge, which talks about the controller and the dismisser two different types of, I suppose, hypothetical person. One that controls the environment and the daily tasks and is ruthlessly efficient with time and the other person that continuously puts it off. And I just kind of drew my experience from two different types of recruits in training and now 
the dismisser come week 15 has not grasped all the skills necessary and they're falling behind and then they they have to leave training. And that just kind of goes into into life of, of getting up late, always being late for work and being tired and not picking up the skills that you need in order to become successful. And then, I don't know, I'd, I'd say the last one is just off the top of my head, which is the psychology of a Royal Marine Commando, a personal perspective, which is just my take on the, the I suppose the mindset of an of an elite soldier and breaking down I think some misconceptions really that we are unintelligent and that we we kind of bullet stop us and it's it's just kind of I think this, this just ties into what we spoke about at the start mate of the public just think that you're just this mindless person that can just go out and, and do these things but you're just the same person that you've just managed to you've you've learned to manage your emotions the uppermost limits of your emotions. And in a sense, you, you you find out exactly who you are and what you like and what you dislike to the to the nth degree, and that's that's just a great lesson at the end that rounds it all up. Uh, I think out of the three, that last one is one that I'll definitely be looking forward to. Yeah, I think you're right. I think people's perception of what a real Royal Marine can do may not reflect actually what goes on. So I think it'd be great to hear your opinion on that particular topic. Gareth, that was absolutely amazing. And just to finish off, we always ask our guests this one question. If you could pick a guest to be on the progress theory, uh, who would you choose? Is there anyone in particular that you've always wanted to uh, speak to and find a little bit more about them and their work? I think Elon Musk. Cool. I'd like to speak to him. And then if I can choose two, Elon Musk and and, and then David Attenborough. I'd like to speak to them too. I think it'd be fantastic. But Elon Musk definitely on his mindset. I just think he's a fascinating guy and what he's doing is he's absolutely incredible. I think it'd be, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, I think that would be quite fascinating to truly understand the mindset behind someone that's clearly very intelligent, works ridiculous hours, and then yeah. is never really satisfied, you know, wants to continually uh, improve the world you know that a lot yeah. of the things that he's created with his businesses are stuff to try and uh, improve the world in some form whether it be electric cars or you know i don't know space exploration but yeah that's a great choice definitely we've not had that choice yet as well so right well anyways gareth that was perfect thank you very much and i look forward to reading the book thanks mate again it's been a real pleasure just thanks again phil for having me on it's been great thank you mate that's been brilliant cheers buddy Thank you to Gareth for coming on to The Progress Theory and talking about his experience in the Royal Marine Commandos and his new book, Becoming the 0.1%. He really only scratched the surface of the stories he shares in his book, and I can't wait to read it. We recorded this podcast just before its release, so my copy is on its way. I just wanted to provide some final thoughts on some key areas that really stood out for me. Firstly, the concept of out of comfort zone must be completely different to Gareth when compared to the general population. The extremes the Royal Marines go to to fully prepare their soldiers is insane. 12 hours sleep in two weeks, seriously, that sounds so uncomfortable. But he reflects on these experiences with a type of fondness. He realised that being pushed so far outside anyone's comfort zone made him truly see who he is as a person. I think that's fascinating and makes me wonder what I need to do to push myself that far outside my own comfort zone. Secondly, I like how Gareth's opinion has changed on mindset. At first he thought being fearless was having no emotion. Now, to him, fearless means taking on any challenge despite any fear or anxiety you might be experiencing. 
You can't eliminate emotional responses to adverse situations, but you can change your perception on how they affect you and how you will persevere through them. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode and it allowed you to reflect on your own mindset. Please, everyone, go and buy the book now. You won't regret it. If you enjoyed the show, it would be awesome if you could leave us a review and share this episode on your Insta story. Feed that algorithm to help grow the show. We'll see you in the next one.